Welcome to another episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast that features those who take a leap of faith to follow their dreams and their passion. My name is Kelsa Cooper, aka the social broker, and I have a very special guest. Dope brother, dope young brother. He is a person who is an extraordinary dreamer who refused to give up. At just 27 years old, he is the founder and CEO of Us in Technology, UIT, a virtual community, job placement, mentoring, and training platform aimed at bridging the gap between hiring companies and qualified underrepresented talent. UIT is is on a mission to help diversify the excuse me diversify Silicon Valley and beyond by educating and placing minorities and historically excluded individuals in sales, marketing, coding, engineering, and revenue roles with top tech companies committed to attracting, retaining, and developing them. He was an award-winning sales manager operating primarily within the cybersecurity space, successfully recruited into the tech industry himself in 2017 while moonlighting as an Uber driver. His life mission is to give others the same opportunities he has been given to succeed in one of the world's most lucrative careers. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kendrick Trotter. What's up, brother? What's going on? What's going on? I got to take you on the road with me. That was, a, uh, that was an intro of a lifetime. Bruh, you know, this, I got to had to do you right, bro. I want yeah. people to know who they're listening to in, in their journey and all the dope things that you've done in a short period. You know, you've been on this earth, man. Very impressive, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, um, definitely feel privileged to be in this position. So. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to get this conversation started, bro. So how I usually do this is like I usually ask one main question. Take me through your journey starting from where you're from, where you grew up, um, you know, what's, what college you went to, what you majored yeah, in. Yeah. And then, we, you know, we could like tell a story until, you know, you know where we okay. at now. Tell, tell me a little bit about the listeners and then I'll, I'll kind of. I have a better idea of what parts you know I should emphasize. Man, keep bit. it one hundred, listeners. Yo, listen. One hundred. Keep it one hundred, listeners all, right. all over the world, mainly young black professionals yes, who sir. have nine yes, to five jobs. But I want you to be authentic, bro. I love it, and I appreciate you saying that because uh, I made a decision a couple weeks ago. You know, I'm done code switching. Mm, right? I'm done facts. talking different to make someone else feel different. I'm gonna be me. You know, every room that I step into and the right people will appreciate it. But other people, you know, it's kind of too bad for them. So (laughs) my story is, man, I'm a Bay Area native. And uh, originally, you know, I'm from, you know, just 15 minutes away from the Silicon Valley, but had no idea about the tech Mm. industry. Um, I was raised by a single mom and I had an older brother and an older sister. My mom was mostly, you know, working. My brother was uh, mostly kind of taking care of us, making sure the house was in line. And, you know, growing up, there was three different um, ideas, I guess, so to speak, of what success looked like as a black man. Mm. And it was, you were either a professional athlete, you were a rapper or entertainer, or you were in the streets. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, my mom, she whooped a lot of butt, (laughs) right? And my, my, my brother was even stricter. Okay. So the streets, the streets weren't really an option for me. Um, I think I'm a good sing, a singer, but the rest of the world, they don't know how to appreciate great talent in that area. But, um, I'm accepting all karaoke phase. And, um, you know, so at an early age, I realized sports would be kind of my opportunity to get into a, a better lifestyle. So we moved around a lot. We went from Richmond to Vallejo, from Vallejo to Oakland, Oakland, Stockton. And then finally, when I got into high school, we moved into the suburbs. So anybody from the West Coast, you know, um, you know, that's some of the, 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 I guess, most dangerous places in California, mm-hmm. right? So obviously nothing to brag about. But, you know, through every situation we went through, we always had each other. So I, I was fortunate enough to get a college scholarship to play football at the University of Idaho, um, where I was a, a captain. We were Division One. We won a championship against Colorado State. Nice. And I came home. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a big deal. And I came home, and I had my degree. I'm ready to be a millionaire. And I was living right back in the hood. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, now I got a degree, and I'm, I'm right back in Richmond. So, you know, you didn't get recruited into professional in the NFL? Nah. <laughs> Damn. Oh, well, I had a, uh, I had a sports hernia sur- oh. uh, surgery. So, my senior season, I played mostly hurt. Oh, wow. But, you know, for me, my goal was never really go to the NFL, was to go Division One. And then once I did that and I performed, I wanted to show the rest of the world I could be something bigger than just a football player, mm. you know? And so when I got home, I knew I wanted to be a businessman, but I didn't know what that meant. I just knew it meant wearing a nice suit. And so, you know, my brother was keeping money in my pockets and I started Ubering, you know, just as a positive way to, to make some money. And uh, I wasn't a good Uber, Cal. Um, I took a lot of breaks, right? If, if you lived in the hood, you had to go there by yourself because I wasn't doing that. Um, I spent a lot of money on like lunch, so my overhead was horrible. And um, finally, I met this guy who was taking to buy this, this fat house. And I was like, what do you do? And he told me, he's like, I'm in tech. And he said, Kendrick, you should get into the tech industry. I said, I don't know anything about tech. He said, if you can study a playbook that changes every week for football, you can study product knowledge. Who's this guy? Right? Uh, he's a VP of sales at AWS now. His name is Josh Berzin. Okay. And this is the first time I ever heard about the tech industry and about there potentially being like a role for me. Mm. And he pretty much told me, he said, Kendrick, you would do really good in sales. And I said, I don't know anything about sales. And he says, well, you're a good listener. You're a good communicator. And great companies are dying for more you know, minorities like you. Mm. Was and he so, a minority uh, himself uh, or? No, he's a white male. He's a, um, he's a white male. Wow. And so he, he told me that he would help me get a job. And I pulled over, I popped my trunk. I gave him my resume, which was. Oh, wait, so you met him in the Uber. Yeah. Yeah. I was an Uber driver. <laughs> Uber driver. Oh, so, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I gave him my resume. He laughed and he told me about this weird website called a LinkedIn. And, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I had no idea what a LinkedIn was. He helped wow. me with a profile. And a couple weeks later, I had a job. So um, I, I got my first job as a sales development rep. The first three months, I was horrible. I was like asking my manager for help. And the team was like, talk like you're talking to uh, your friends. I'm like, yo, you do not know my friends. <laughs> I like, Right. I just left the football locker room. I, yeah, for the Bay, the Bay Bay. Uh, we we shouldn't do that. And so she was like, "Well, talk like you're talking to your dad at the dinner table." I was like, "I didn't grow up with my dad at the dinner table." Wow. Right. Wow. Mm. So um, when we when we went through that, it was like, okay, like that makes sense. And I just kept coming in early and leaving late, right? Mm. And they couldn't fire me because I kept asking everybody for help. <laughs> so they felt like if they fired me, they were losing as well. Right. Right. And so eventually, like I started doing good, Cal, like, I got a promotion, became what's referred to as an account executive, usually takes like, you know, five, uh, I'd say three to five years to get that position. I, I accomplished it within a year. And then I became a major account rep managing accounts like eBay, Salesforce, Workday, Twitter. Um, and I was making money man. And wow. just like anybody else who never really had, you know, excuse my French, never really had shit. Boy, I'm balling. <laughs> right? So I'm, I, you know, first thing I did, I went, I got a new Benz. Oh, wow. Was, You're uh, making money like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was making money, man. I was, I was 23 and a 21. So wow. I, had, I, had a, I had a 21 Benz and I got this penthouse apartment in, in San Jose and I'm getting bottle service from the West Coast to the East Coast. <laughs> nice. And I'm on social media living my life. And so, wow. Yeah, so it's crazy. So my friends started reaching out to me. They're like, what do you do? Right? Like, I know you can't sing. <laughs> and I know you're not in the streets. I know you're not playing football. I was like, let me tell you about the tech industry. Like, you can make six figures in your second year. And for whatever reason, my best friend trusted me. And he moved from L.A. to the Bay Area. He was sleeping on my couch. And then it really went from one person to three people to five people. Now the the community at SM Tech is more than ten thousand underrepresented people. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the 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 story of um, how I got into the position that I'm in now. And um, you know now obviously I'm full time at SM Technology, but that's my story. So um, how long were first of all, what was the corporate environment like 
you know, at that f- company you was working um, at that that you were making all that dough. Did you look like this, like you look now, or did you clear? Uh, no, um, so definitely different, right? Like it wasn't very long ago, but definitely different times, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I look like this is like. I want to show people who grew up just like me that they can be in these positions as mm. well and they can be their authentic self. Right. Like mm-hmm. when we grow up, we're like, yo, like I want to be this athlete. I want to be like Mitch, like paid in full. But like, I want people to grow up and be like, I want to be like Kendrick. Right. Like I want to be a CEO of a tech company. I want mm. to have multiple businesses. I want to, you know, do X, Y, Z. And so in my opinion, once I start looking like who I am, I'll stop motivating the people who are where I was. Mm. Um, so I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't cut my hair until like we finished our round of funding and we're almost done now. Um, but you know, walking into these offices and getting these people to respect you off of intelligence and also being the leader of a community and showing them, you know, it's okay to be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, you know, the, idea of what success is like we're changing that narrative and what it looks like it looks mm. like people like us mm. so like the, your job where you were making all we were making bank how long were you there yeah so uh my first job i was making like forty-five thousand dollars, and i was there probably for like six or seven months but it was really focused on training and in my second job which like my month eight I made like a, 110 that year. Wow. Right? Yeah, which was a really big deal for me. At, um, at, at what age? 23, you said? 23. Nice. At 23. And um, I didn't realize I had made that kind of money until I went to do my taxes. And he was like, yo, like, what do you do? I was like, oh, I'm just in tech. He's like, your, your financials doubled. I was like, oh, yeah. This wow. You know, like, I'm in an entry-level position. So at the time, it seemed like I was making a ton of money, but the money was just coming in quick. So I would get a base salary and then like a commission variable. Mm-hmm. And so what I was doing was like, you know, commission, I was getting like three to $5,000 a month in addition to my base. Mm. So I was just, I was just playing with that. So um, I was probably, I was at that company for about uh, two and a half years. Okay. That first company or the, the second company. Okay, so you went to two companies, then you decided to start us in tech? Yeah, so my first company was really focused on training, which was probably the most important step I ever took. I made $45,000, but I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second company, I made like 110, right? Still in an entry level position. And then my the third company that I went to, I was there for. I believe a little less than two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was coming up on my two year mark. So uh, I was just short of two years, but I was already doing my own company in my own time. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, actually, what happened is my company that I worked for, they're like, yo, like we want to hire some people from us in tech. And I was like, awesome. And I was like, that's $12,000. I'm like, $12,000. Like, you should get a referral fee of, like, $2,000 to work for us. And I was like, yeah, but that's different. Like, and so they asked me, like, you actually have people paying that? I was like, yeah, a bunch of people. And so what they explained to me, they're like, Kendrick, like, you have to make a decision which one you're going to do full time. Wow. And uh, it was, I was, like, a month away from exercising my shares, like, close to $70,000, right, in shares that I was just going to be able to cash out. And, um, you know, when I, when I thought about it, I was like, you know, I'll regret more saying that I never tried than saying that I tried and I failed. Right. You know? And so it was 2000 and tw- November of 2021 that I decided to uh, get into us and technology full time. Wow. So you never, you never made it to that month where you could get that $70,000 as a seed money. Wow. Well, I, I never, uh, I never was able to cash out on my shares because I was like a month away from exercising it. And what one of my mentors told me is he just was like, Kendrick, you don't want people to feel like you're trying to like eat your cake too. Mm. Right. Like you got a good rapport there. 
Oh, okay. Um, obviously, like, there's a tight situation right now. Like, it's much better that you don't make them feel like you're trying to milk the cow, right? Mm. And um, personally, like, I can say I, I don't ever really look back either from, like, walking away from that. Because, like, now what I'm doing, it has so much more purpose um, aside from, like, making money. Right. Did um did it did they become one of your clients or no? Yeah, they okay. did. They uh they became one of my clients and they've hired like four people from me and so I I had ultimate respect for them and how they handled that situation. So you got a you still got a good rapport with them. And yeah. if you're taking that money, they would have looked into you side eye like this Exactly. All right, makes sense. Make cuz I mean initially I'm like, "Bro, you're going to walk away from Sam yeah, yeah. but it makes sense." How, you know, after you explained it. Yeah. And I'll just say to the listeners too, just understand like life's a journey. Uh, earning money is a journey. Don't cheat the process, right? Like it is truly chess, not checkers. Like I talked about some of the money that I made earlier in my career, but I had to do things that other people weren't willing to do to get that, right? Like mm -hmm. when I was working at 45K job, I was commuting an hour and a half to, to work, right? Sleeping in my car for 30 minutes. Wow. Um, just to be, yeah, in the mornings just to miss commute. Uh, it was taking me like two and a half, three hours to commute back to where I lived. Um, I had to sleep with a roommate who it was just, that was a horrible living situation within itself. And, you know, a lot of people around me that were at that job, they, they were leaving for the fastest offers, mm. you know, and they made a lot more money, uh, you know, at the beginning than I did. And ultimately, like my values were just the foundation of training, the foundation of training, the foundation of training. And ultimately, what happened is like, in this journey so far, you know, I've been very, very fortunate to create a business that has had the opportunity and has executed on like bringing that money in in a day, mm. right? Like what used to be my goal in a year, like the business has done that in a day. Wow. Um, but if I wouldn't have done the chess pieces to put myself in that position, like it wouldn't have mattered. Right. So tell me about us in tech. How did you start us in tech? You said you, yeah. you started while you were still had a full time job. How did you start it in terms of building that, you know, company in that community? Yeah. So it really just had it really was mostly people reaching out to me on Instagram. Like, yo, what are you doing to make money? Right? Oh, wow. Okay. driving around and i'm in a binge and people are like yo like what how'd you get that binge i'm like oh let me tell you and i was just mentoring people like oh. hey mentoring people via instagram very, yeah mostly via instagram okay and um it just went from like five one person to five person to seven people and then like all these people were asking me for mentorship wow I'm like oh, okay like i don't got time but like i don't have this much time and then i met this guy who was my original co-founder, right? And he's just like, Kendrick, why don't you do this full time? Mm. I was like, I can't do this full time. And he was like, why? I was like, I don't know. And it was imposter syndrome, right? Mm. And he was a white male, or he is a white male, and he really helped me overcome that imposter syndrome. He was like, F that. It was like, you can do this. You have what it takes. Mm -hmm. um, what does so imposter syndrome look like to you in terms of what was going through your mind in terms of, you know, do you don't think you were authentic enough to kind of do this big, big thing in terms of building this company and community? Yes, yeah, that's, that's a great question. When I think about imposter syndrome, it reminds me of when I'm a kid and like everybody says, stop doing that. You're dreaming too big. Mm. Don't say that. You can't do that. Right. Just right. read your book. Just do this. Just, just, just like for myself and a lot of people who come from underrepresented areas and just lower poverty areas like a lot of times we're not encouraged to dream mm. right it's like hey go get that safe job go go do what's conservative go do this because a lot of times you don't have anything to fall back on right where as i'm around more people now to have money i realized since they were a kid their parents were like yo do what you love mm. right go big Mm. So when the opportunity came and was presented to me, I was like, I can't do this. Like, right. That's, I, I can't do that. Me? And my co-founder was like, yes, you can. Okay. It was like, you're smarter than a lot of these people. And um, for me, I think the reasoning behind why I started is the reasoning behind why I'm still doing it today, which was 
I just felt like I had an obligation to the people mm. that like my goal was like, I thought I was so proud of myself when I made six figures. Right. And then I helped somebody else make six figures. Mm. And I was like, damn, like I'd rather be remembered for the person that helped a lot of people make six figures than, you know, being a person that made six figures. Right. Wow. So is he still your co-founder? So he went from being my co-founder and now he's a key advisor. Okay. Um, so he just had a, a little girl, a little, uh, he's had a daughter. So he's staying at his current nine to five and he's still engaged with us in tech pretty actively, mm-hmm. but just not as much as he was when he was the original co-founder. Right. So um, definitely it was the right decision for me. We, you know, he had a huge Rolodex. And so we were able to get, you know, lock in more than 20 customers in like our first year. Um, you know, we had, we, we had a lot of success, a lot of testimonials. And if it wasn't for him, I, I, I truthfully probably would have never began. So, right. you know, like that's why in my bio, I describe myself as an extraordinary dreamer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the dude who wasn't supposed to make it this far. I'm the dude that wasn't supposed to go to D1. I'm the dude that wasn't supposed to become a major account rep in the tech industry. I'm the dude that should have never created a, a, a tech company. But like I'm the dude that's gonna show other people just like us that they can too. Well, yo, listen, I, I there's this quote I wrote down from your bio. It was actually your quote. I had to shift my mindset to be able to begin to imagine myself as a successful entrepreneur. How important was that in turn? How how did you shift your mindset? Like, cause like you said, you know, we've been like growing up, we've been taught to limit ourselves, to limit our thinking, to, to like, you can't do this, you can't do that. How did you do it and how easy or hard it was for you to shift your mindset? Because there's a lot of people, you hear like, you know, because I listen to these motivational speakers in the morning when I get up yeah. and go to work, when I work out, and your mindset is important. Your mindset is, is you got to shift your mindset. But, you know, it's like you made it sound easy. <laughs> Shifting your yeah. mindset is not necessarily easy. So how were you able to do it? Damn, man. That's, I like that question a lot. So first off, I'm still doing it. I'm mm. not completed with it, right? I'm learning. I think what helped me was once I realized I actually already had the mindset. Mm. The mindset was just on other things. I just had to shift the mindset from like, I'm having that mindset for football to I'm having that mindset to lead a business. Mm-hmm. What I started to realize and what I started to actually believe, it took me a long time to believe is like, I actually already know how to do this, mm. right? Like to me, I feel like the best measurements of intelligence are creativity and problem solving. Well, when your mom's not home and you seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, and you hungry, you gonna starve or you gonna be creative and try to make something? <laughs> we were mad creative, right? bro. <laughs> we were we were mad creative. <laughs> so what I started realizing and where my confidence came, and I kind of started like psyching myself up. I'm like, yo, I've been through some hard shit. Like, what's the the worst that can happen? Like, what I tell people is, it's hard to intimidate a person with the idea of going to nothing, where mm-hmm. nothing is where I built my foundation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I grew up grow, like sharing shoes with my mom. Mm. <laughs> sharing shoes right? with your mom. Wow. Sharing shoes with my mom. Yeah. You know, they got in a couple fights over that. But like for me, the mindset is continuous. The the first thing is like believing you already have that mindset. Mm. Even if it's not in business, you already have the mindset. Mm-hmm. You made it out the hood, you did this, you said no to that. Like you already have the mindset. Now the shifting was like, okay, let me put this mindset towards something else that I'm passionate about, right? Um, I think passion gives purpose. So when shit gets hard, if you have purpose, you're okay with that. You're going to weather the storm. Mm-hmm. If it, if you don't have passion for what you're doing, when things get really hard, it's going to be so easy to walk away. Mm-hmm. The second thing is like, I started surrounding myself with other dreamers. Right. Mm-hmm. Like extraordinary dreamers. Like this guy was an Amazon guy. Right. Like FBA. And he had his whole story of like he came from nothing. But like, yo, he was a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Right. He was just like, I'm going to live in this, in the, you know, the towers in Miami. I'm going to have this kind of car. 
And then I started being around more people who like, it was cool to dream. Mm. It was okay to dream, right? Because our mindset comes from like our environment. Like what are we perceiving? What are we consuming? Right. A lot of times affect our mindset. So like when I started to get in other environments with other dreamers, it started to encourage my own mindset. So now the thing is discipline. Right. Like, how mm. do you stay disciplined now? Like the what? Like when I look at my monthly expenses as a business, I'm like, oh, my God, that is scary. <laughs> wow. Right? And it's like, damn, if I mess up, seven people don't get to eat. Mm. Right. So it's a lot different than like, yo, if I mess up, I don't get to eat. Mm. Right. So um, something that's helped me too, like just with composure is church, right? Like I, I got back in my church and I just feel like it's helped me be so much more composed as a leader mm-hmm. and, you know, helped me to realize the importance of investing in people. And in turn, like that's really been one of my main secrets to success so far is that like my people, my employees, they know I got their back. Mm-hmm. They know that, right? Like, and I tell them that every day, like whatever you need, I got your back. Right. right. Um, if it's a win, if it's a loss, like we got each other. So um, I love the mindset question. Right. I have a follow up question. You said discipline. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of creative people, they love the creative process of starting something new because they're passionate about it. And after it keeps going, after it gets going, you know, it's like it's not they're not it's not new anymore. So they're like level of discipline. They're like on to the next. They want to start something else new. Did you, you, did you experience that? And if you did, how did you kind of like, you said something about that. It wasn't about you. Cause if I mess up, all these other people is not going to eat. Was that the main thing that really contributed to you being disciplined? Cause I know I'm a creative person and I know after, you know, just starting it. Just doing it, especially before, you know, before anybody else do it. That's what gets me going. And after, yeah. I'm, after I get it going and I prove to myself that, it's, that, I, that I could do it, I'm like, okay, I, I get bored, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm ready to start something else. So I don't yeah. know if you experienced that. For um, me, what I learned when I finally made a D1, I was so excited. Mm. And after my first practice... I was like, if this is D1, I'm good. I'm over it. Right. I'm over it. Right. It's for the birds. Um, And so when I came back home, everybody was treating me like, they're like, yo, like you made it. Like, what's it like? I'm like, I'm going to tell you like this. Like, you have to love it so much that even when you're not in love, you still love it. Mm. Right. And so for me, I think it really comes back to knowing your why. Mm. Right. Like, if you're working out, like for me, like if you're working out and you don't really know why you're working out, it's going to be hard to work out. But for me, like with the discipline thing is I'm learning to be more disciplined in a lot of different areas, but my purpose is so clear, right? Like we helped over 120 people make six figures this year. That's crazy, right? bro. Like, yeah, right? Like we, because of us, people are getting married. Because of us, people are in the streets no more. So my grandma asked me the other day, um, she said, grandson, she said, do you feel like it's a lot of pressure on you? All these people, like, you're helping and, like, people are investing in you. I said, Nana, I don't feel like it's a pressure. I feel like it's, it's privilege, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is how God is using me, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if this is how God is using me and all these people, like, they need me, I will be so selfish just to stop. Right. I will be selfish not to make this business way bigger. Because, like, my intentions and my purpose is, like, it's not about me. Mm. And that is what has helped me to be more disciplined. Because Mm. naturally, with myself, if it's something I am passionate about, I can be disciplined. If I'm not passionate about it, I'm not disciplined about it. Right. Because, you know, some a lot of people say do what you love. But but when you do what you love becomes your livelihood, it's not not as fun anymore. So that's why I asked that question. You know? Yeah, I mean, I want to comment on that too. So I seen a post the other day when he, and I think it was one of my mentors, 
And he's like, that was one of the worst quotes ever come out. Like, do what you love. You never work a day in your life. And the person who actually made the quote, like, went back and made, like, edits multiple times. Like, no, that's not what I meant, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we have to be a good worker before we become a good leader, Mm. right? I was a really good employee before I was a good leader. A lot of people today, they want to avoid the employee piece. Mm. Like, uh, I don't want to work for for Cal. I just want to start my own podcast. Like, okay, like, but if you... (laughs) you invested in the process and you work for him, there's so much you can learn, which would accelerate your opportunity to earn. So Mm -hmm. my advice would be is for all you out there, like continue doing what pays your bills, right? But always find time for what it is you're truly interested in, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe it's volunteering. Maybe you're doing your services for free. Like I got paid to speak for like two hours this year and I got paid $5,000. Mm. right and before i got paid five thousand dollars i did like 15 free speaking sessions Mm. right before the business made all the money we've made i had to lose out on like a hundred thousand dollars right so for me anybody out there who's like an aspiring entrepreneur first and foremost you can do that right take that first step um start it off maybe doing two hours a day start off as a volunteer business and then start charging one person, right? And then charge two people and then charge three people. And then like when opportunity presents itself, you'll know when it's time to go full time. Mm. When did you realize that the business model you put together uh, made sense from a financial perspective? How long did it take for you guys to kind of like, oh, this is lucrative? <sighs> And you're asking really good questions <laughs> because I don't even know if I really realized it until maybe like month six, month eight, once I started doing more research actually into the industry and the need of what I was doing. Mm. From the very beginning when we incorporated it, myself and my co-founder, we made a lot of money mm-hmm. the first month. I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, that's one month. That's one client, right? Second month, we made some good money. So I would say that I didn't realize how high the demand was. For a while, I kind of just thought it was these few clients that had this problem. Mm-hmm. Then as I started doing more education and more like studying on the space, what I learned was, was like, there were so many people that had the experience that Kendrick had which was graduating college and not knowing what to do next. Mm. They were right back in the hood. There were so many people who uh, were like Kendrick, but didn't go to college, but they had coachability, drive, integrity, intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Then I started realizing like, oh crap, there's a lot of companies that really don't know how to hire minorities, mm. right? They don't know where to find them. They don't know how to treat them, right? right? So like for a while I was just doing business, like whooping butt and taking names. And then after like five or six months, I realized like, yo, this is a real problem, mm. right? This is a problem that every single corporation has. The tech industry is only 1.3% black, 3.3% Latinx, 24% women. That's a problem, mm. right? Like a top five problem for all CEOs is diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's a problem. And for us, like when people talk about who's your potential customer, anybody who's looking to hire one person can be a potential client of mm-hmm. us and take us over a million companies. So um, it took me some time to realize that like it was truly a demand for it because at first I was just kind of doing it casually and, you know, just trying to help people. And mm. now, now after you did your research, you're like, wow, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of upside to this. This is scalable. Mm-hmm. And then, so we started to create our uh, our platform, our app, our mobile app is going to launch in July of this year. Uh, it's going to be called Us and Technology. So if anyone's interested, uh, feel free to download it. And the purpose of the app is like 100 people in a year is a really good accomplishment. But how do you help 100 people in a day? Mm. Because there's 100 people that need it. That right. Like you and I. Right. Right. And so we're, we're creating our own job board, which is going to be very similar to Indeed, 
Um, and in addition to the job board, it's also going to be a virtual community, which uh, we already have today. So, uh, how, um, where is it right now? The website or you know, digital social yeah. media? So it's um, we're really big on Instagram, right? We're definitely uh, at us in tech. We're trying to get our ability and our cut up a little bit on Twitter, us in technology. Uh, right now, the platform is virtual. It's in Slack, right? Um, but anyone who wants to join a community, you just go on our Instagram or go on our website at usintechnology.com and you um, sign up to be a part of the program. It's completely free. And then when you join the program, we give you interview coaching assistance. We give you resume building assistance. Um, we give you guidance and all the things that are necessary for you to be considered a, uh, a valid uh, candidate. What's the age? Um age range yeah so there is no actual age range um the preference is obviously like you know people who have completed high school um generally we attract uh either recent college graduates or career transitioners mm -hmm. um usually people who are in the age of like 23 to 26 i would say it's probably the majority of our target audience right now so um it's definitely a career Right. A lot of people come to me like, oh, and it's like, no, this is a career. Right. Um, this is business. You need to have business acumen. You need to, you know, know how to come correct and, and hold yourself accountable in these environments. All right. What about a, like mid manager type age person, like late 30s, early 40s? Do you get some of those as well? I do. I do. And I love them because they're the most coachable people that mm -hmm. I usually get. Mm -hmm. And um you know, you could have somebody who's mid-30s and mid-40s, and they've been making less than six figures their entire life. And, you know, you, they get into this industry, and now they're 24 months, you're making more money than they have in their entire life. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a great thing, man. Like, everybody, we welcome everyone. You know, mm -hmm. anyone who's going to respect themselves, respect each other. Like, we're, we're open to everyone and helping however we can but only to those that are willing to help themselves. Facts, facts. All right. You said you were making money from day one. Yeah. So that'd be, you know, did you have any like major challenges in, in, in keeping the business going and scaling? And how did you yeah, so, overcome it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So in the beginning when I was volunteering, I wasn't making money. People were kicking me out of the money. They're like, oh, Kendrick, like, this is a great candidate. We're going to hire them. And I'm like, oh, like, can you send me a check? And they're like, oh, like, you don't have a corporation? Like, uh, wow, like, it's okay. We, we won't hire them. I'm like, like, don't worry about it. Just hire them. You don't have to pay me. Mm. That happened like five to ten times. People mm. were kind of bu bullying me out of money, for mm -hmm. sure. And then when I met my co-founder at the time, he's the one to help me formulate the corporation. And as soon as we formulated the corporation, I was already doing this, like as a volunteer, like volunteering my time. Once it became an actual business in our first month, like we put up some, we put up some numbers. So every month was not a great month. And the more I invested in the team, the more accountability that requires, mm. right? Like if it's just me on the payroll and we have a bad month, that's okay. But like the more people you add, the higher the expectation gets. Right. right. Like if you got one person and let's say they're getting paid 10K a month. Okay, well, as long as you place one person, you're good. But now you got five, six, seven, eight people, and now you're like, oh, we gotta make at least 50k, at least 60k, 80k. So what I learned was was that you're gonna have good months and bad months. Mm -hmm. Just always make sure you're preparing for another good month. Mm. Right. Always understand why you had a bad month, right? Was it because we didn't get enough opportunities? Is it because of the market? Is it because of our skill? Did we not do, could we have done a better job, right? Like those are the things that I'm really obsessed with like learning is like let's learn from our wins and our lessons. Mm -hmm. And if we learn from our lessons, then like we can reduce the amount of times we have to learn through losing. Right. So um, I would say also too, like as a leader, knowing how to take the pressure on personally and alleviate some of the pressure on your team, right? Like if I come to you and I'm like, Cal, like what, what do we do? What, what, how many deals do you got? How many deals do you got? Like, 
oh, my, we're broke. We're not making money. Like, and eh, that's going to make him, that's going to be a compound mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. So being able to roll my sleeves up and help cat, like help Cal to feel more comfortable and being honest with me about things and, um, attracting people that are coachable has been, um, kind of my, my keys to success. Right. So you kind of take on a lot of pressure. How do you deal with, you know, how many hours do you, you know, work as an entrepreneur and how do you deal with work-life balance and the pressure that comes with becoming an entrepreneur? Cause everything is on your shoulders. Yeah. So I think a lot of times people get into entrepreneurship because they think it's less work. Right? <laughs> like, like TikTok and Instagram is like, I don't want to work for nobody. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Right. And for me, I didn't truly understand what an entrepreneur meant. I'm actually still learning, but until probably like four years ago. For me, you know what definition I associate with being an entrepreneur is, um, you know, soul plane when Kevin Hart's in court and he, she's like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm an entrepreneur. She's like, so you don't got a job. Right. Uh, right so right. I always like entrepreneur is a fancy word to saying you unemployed. <laughs> uh, so like right now, I think I work, I probably work like 10 to 12 hours a day. Okay. Right. But I work at a pace that I feel like is healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not 10 to 12 hours a day in front of my laptop. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm work, I might take a nap, right? I might take an hour off, I might go for a walk, I'll go work out. Um, and then for me, like balancing work-life balance, a mentor once told me, the more money you make, the more control you have over your time. Mm. I was like, that's, that's stupid. That doesn't make sense, right? And then I realized as I started making more money, you're right. So for me, even though I work 10 to 12 hours, I can take a week off. I can take two weeks off. I can message the team and say, hey, you know, handle X, Y, Z. So for me, it's like, uh, I like to call it like work from phone days where like I don't necessarily use my laptop, but I'll just work from my phone, maybe travel during the week, mm-hmm. right? I like to go for walks. Um, going to church every week definitely helps me like to stay composed. And then like, I don't really think about the pressure side. Like I don't really let my mind go mm. to that side. I keep my mind focused on like the opportunity and the privilege of being in this position. Um, mm. I'm sure if I truly thought more about the pressure side, it probably would affect me. But like, I don't even look back. I'm just looking forward at like, mm. yo, like, I just can't believe this is how God is using me. Just imagine what happens if I accomplish X, Y, Z. Right. Wow, bro. You're dropping gems, bro. And authentic gems too. Not no BS, like textbook bs you know what i'm saying this yeah. is like stuff that you, you you could tell you lived it yeah that's why i appreciate you explaining to me that's like yo what's the audience right because uh i want to be real man i like to be i like to be 100 and keep it 100 shit, man. you know just motivate the people like me like i grew up in the hood you know what i'm saying i was i was i was out there i was you know on the porch and i went through a lot of stuff a lot of stuff that a lot of people went through but I just want people that when they hear my story, be like, yo, that dude just didn't give up. Right, right. Yo, listen, man, I started reverse ambition because, you know, for the very reason why you're doing what you're doing. Because, you know, we, we're we taught to do like a handful of careers in our lives. And then we mm-hmm. go, you know, major in these career fields. We realize we don't have no passion, no drive, yeah. you know, to continue. And I was like, don't be afraid to go back and start over. That's why I say reverse ambition. You you go back and start over to do what you really love. And having conversations with brothers like you who are doing it, you know, you're like explaining the blueprint, you know what I'm saying? Because we don't have a blueprint. This is a lot of stuff we have to figure out on our own. So cats like you is like creating that blueprint where people listening to this are like, okay. You know what I'm saying? This is how you do it. And this is how it's going to be. And this is what I'm going to go through. And this is what skill sets I need, you know, to, 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 to be successful. So, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So we Kendra's bro. Yeah. Yeah. So how big, how big uh, is your company now? So our community is about 10,000 underrepresented people um, all across the United States. We have some people in like different countries, but, we haven't broken into that market just yet, mm-hmm. but um, 
over 10,000 people in our actual community. And then I have a team of about 12 people. Okay. Um, Full-time, so part-time, or? Yeah, full-time. And then nice. on the part-time side, probably like an additional 20 to that. Wow. So it's, um, it's a lot of personalities, um, <laughs> a lot of expectations. Um, you know, some people want to get paid more. Some people right. want to get paid less, right? Some people. So I think that is the most, the part that requires the most energy is the management of the different people and yeah. the different personalities because people aren't robots, right? They need that intimacy. They need to feel like you care in order for them to work a little bit harder or get the results that you need them to get to. So um, the people is definitely the, probably the most draining part is like just, I agree. you know, being so intentional right. on all the people having a good experience. Right. And especially the focus people that you're focusing on helping because they all have like hard stories and they all, yeah. they all have challenges that they're dealing with, you know, personally, mm -hmm. you know, to get over that hump, you know? So, and you have to take that in consideration as you manage them because, yes, you know, so, and it's hard, you know, it's hard, it's hard to help our own, you know, because mm -hmm. you don't want to extend your hand too much because they'll bite it off. They don't realize what they're doing, but they'll yeah. bite it off. So I how do you off. extend your hand without it getting bitten off, bro? Because, I, I mean, you know, the crab bell mentality is, is real in our hood. And like I said, people don't really realize what they're doing because that's all they've been exposed to all their lives. My my expectation for most people isn't that high. It's actually very low. Mm. So, like, unfortunately, the way I was raised is, like, not to trust until you get trust earned, right? The mm. person earns your trust. And for me, like, if I don't trust you, I'd rather just not really be around you. Mm. And that's kind of like a company culture thing, right? Like, yo, like, we come here, we work hard. First and foremost, like, we are who we are because we win, mm. right? And we have fun. But we win, right? right? So I think for me, it's like something I deal with a lot is like a lot of people want the outcome, but they don't want to do the process. Right. Like kindergarten, I want six figures. I want 110K. And I was like, before I did the 110, I had to make 45K. I don't want to do that. Mm. Hey, Kendrick, I want the 110K. I said, okay, cool. I had to commute an hour and a half to work in three hours. I don't want to do that. So, okay. Right. Uh, hey, hey, Kendrick, I, I want the 110K. Like, yo, like. I actually was a mentor before. Oh, I don't want to do that. Hey, Kendrick, I want to make 100K in a day by starting my own business like you did, right? But I had to be a great employee before I became a great entrepreneur. Mm. So for me, like, I really try to focus my time on the people who deserve my time. And people who don't, that's okay. It's just, all right, you know, it's not, it's not really a good fit. It's not what we're... There's too many people out there that, just, that are eager to learn, to spend it on people who are just eager not to learn mm -hmm. yeah man dropping knowledge because that's the thing that's one of the hardest thing is helping our own because you know we going through a lot as a community and i tell people like you know think about it. the reason why we are where we are is because we're still a young culture yeah our, our language our religion everything was taken away from us so we start from scratch Mm -hmm. as as one community because of our color of our skin so everything that we're going through right now is because we're young you know yeah you know we're not old as you know the asian community they could go back two thousand years yeah. in their culture so if you got if you really look at it you know with our youth and how much we've accomplished we've done a lot that's, crazy. that's why we're so we're scary you know we haven't even been receiving equal education for more than 100 years. Mm. Think about that, right? Think about how much smarter and advantage your kid is going to be now because she has you mm. and the education that you have, right? Think right. about the odds of her graduating college because you went to college. Right. Right? Like, this is stuff we've been missing out on generations, but people don't like technology. Right. Right? Like, just think about that. Like, my kid is so likely to go to college because I went to college. Mm. But, like, my like my great grandma, she could have went to college, but her mom like probably didn't have the opportunity to go to college, right? Like, and then when for college first became available to everybody, it's not like everybody just you know had the access to income to go to college, 
So you're telling me I'm broke, but I have to have money to learn, right? <laughs> right. That's why us in tech, tech is free. Like right. some of the other programs, like I get why they charge people. I get it. I'm a businessman, but you're trying to say you're trying to help people coming from these areas that don't make money by charging them, right? right? Like they're not going to ever have the opportunity to get. Right, right. So you said you're in the process of raising funds. Yes, sir. How's that going? Oh man, it was it was it's tough because generally this is called a family and friends round. You go to your friends, to your family, you're like, hey, can I get 50k? Can I get 25k? Can I get 100k? And they give it to you, right? For us, like we don't necessarily have a lot of family and friends that are able to do that. It right. doesn't mean they don't support us, but they don't do that. So this round is really tough because, and this round I don't want to include VCs. I want it to be an angel round. Mm. So. I had to be really, really creative of like how I got introduced to people that weren't naturally in my network. Right. And so I'd be like, Hey, like Cal, can you introduce me to X, Y, Z? Can you introduce X, Y, Z? Hey, can you introduce me to X, Y, Z? And so the problem wasn't that I wasn't having a good conversion rate. The problem was I just wasn't meeting enough people that I could potentially invest. Mm. And so right now we're at 575 of our goal of 700 K and I'm really, really, really proud about that, man. Right. I'm really proud about that. We're still looking to bring in a couple more investors or talk to any investors that are potentially interested. Um, the minimum check size is, is 25K. And we have a super, super strong um, team mm-hmm. of investors. So, um, side note, my boy, he started this angel investing company focused on minorities called Seat at the Table. Mm. Oh, Pierre. Oh, <laughs> you know Pierre. Yeah, we did a joint event. So, um, okay. Yeah, we did a joint event teaching our community right. about like what it means to become an angel investor. Because, right. Like, I want to empower our people to have equity. Right. Right. And so these are conversations our people didn't um, learn about. I'm really close with Morgan, who works on his team. And mm. she's like a COO. And that's how I got connected to Pierre. We did an event. But yeah, man, that's dope. Small that's freaking dope. world. Yeah. That's my guy, man. My frat bro. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're doing. The only reason why I didn't do seat at the table is um, they do a crowdfunding approach. Okay. So like the minimum investment size is is generally really low. Um, there's some good to that because you get a lot of people are able to like you know throw twenty five dollars or a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. Um, but you know, for me, I just preferred for this round like, hey, let me. Let me try to keep it tight. Mm, Let me try to focus on raising with just a few of the right people versus opening it up completely. Mm. But yeah. Okay. Small world, bro. Yeah, man. He's a, you know, he's a killer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he is. He he goes, he goes in for the kill all the time. And he loves Miami too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he does. He's in LA, right? Yeah, he's in LA. He's from, um, he's from LA. Um, I think he's in South Africa now though, but. Yo, he's doing it. He's doing it, man. Yeah. Um, okay, after you raise this round, where do you see us in tech, you know, long term and and being a part of the solution in terms of the whole tech industry, which is a lot of work, bro. Like, it's a lot of work that needs to be done. Where do you see us in tech as being a part of that, that solution? My goal is that whenever people of color think about tech, they think about us in tech mm. every single time. Whenever people in tech think about an event for underrepresented people, they think about us in tech. Okay. Whenever people in tech think about um, successful minorities, they're like, yo, like that person came from us in tech. Like, like a fraternity, like you said, or a sorority. Right. Well, we're a brand of black and brown excellence. Right. Right. That's dope. That's what I see is like even people who already have jobs, they're like, yo, I want to be a part of us in tech. For these communications, for these networking events, and so forth, like the um, Afrotech movement. That's exactly, going on exactly. Like I would love to partner with like Afrotech, right? Mm-hmm. And and work with them and those things. That's that's what I think. I think about it being so much bigger than just the placement of people. It's mm-hmm. the opportunity to become a trusted brand and network of underrepresented professionals. Mm-hmm. All right, bro. I think I saw the questions I have. Like. 
any advice, bro, you give anyone looking to pursue their passion, regardless if there's money there or not? Yeah, man, I would say start today. Mm. Um, starting doesn't mean you have to commit all your money or all your time. Just start. Mm. Right. A lot of people, they take so long to start. Worse, some people never start. Just start. Try it on your spare time. And maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. But you will find so much more peace and happiness in life by just being able to say, hey, I at least tried it. Right. So um, that's my advice. My other advice is, you know, be a great employee before you try to be a great entrepreneur. That's key right there, brother. People don't want to hear that, but I'll say it again. Be a great employee before you try to be a great entrepreneur. Mm. Um, Seek mentors. Seek people who have accomplished already what you're trying to accomplish. How do you find your mentors, though? Like, especially Uh, people in color, like, you know, like. I realize in this industry, there's not a lot of people of color, but the people of color are so willing to help other people of color. Mm. A lot of these people who are successful, they just want to help other people become successful. Mm. So um, I just, I reach out to people. Hey, Cal, can you, like, if I didn't know Pierre, like, oh, like, can you introduce me to Pierre? I meet Pierre. I'm like, oh, okay, Pierre, can you mentor me these things? Can we meet once a month? Mm. And most likely he would probably do it, mm-hmm. right? But when you get a mentor, make sure you deliver on your deliverables, right? Don't get a mentor and not do your part. Right. Don't get a mentor and show up late to sessions. Like, nah, don't do that. Um, so that's that's what I think. Yo, bro, I, I know you said you were doing public speaking, bro. I think you'll uh, drop a lot of knowledge. Is that part of your own, you know, repertoire now? Like speaking to as many people as possible? Yeah, man, I'm growing into it. Again, it's not my most desirable thing, but I just realized I have a platform. Mm. And there are people who need to hear my voice and they just need to hear this message. And maybe it helps one person, but to have a platform and to not use it, I think is a very uh, a bad thing to do. So um, I'll continue to speak as long as people continue to listen. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that makes me feel good when someone says, hey, Kendrick, like, I heard your story. And like, because of that, right, I knew that I could, too. It's really my goal is just motivate many people as possible yeah man a lot of what you said your whole story is so inspirational and so relatable because i remember out of college i was like you know i didn't know what i want to do even though i had an international business finance major i'm like what is that like (laughs) and i remember like selling vacuum cleaners door to door just Mm. because you know i opened up the paper looking for a job and we didn't know better i didn't have any contacts and so i just did that you know sold about 10 of those joints yeah and then i became a waiter you know just you know waiter was actually a a good opportunity because they worked on my communication skills and Mm. it gave me the confidence to speak to anybody so but i was still lost bro so it took me a while to kind of like figure out what my purpose was and i was at a job for like you know 16 years and like very good at it but it was not something Mm -hmm. i was passionate about and i started doing entrepreneurship at a later stage in my life i think it was 41 so for you to be 23 and, and dropping all this knowledge man i definitely admire you know what you're doing and your story bro yeah, I'm, I'm grateful, man. Just, you know, it's dope to connect with other people who look like me, too, in these positions that can have these authentic conversations because most people don't. They won't understand it. So right. today was today was really healthy for me. So I, I want to thank you for that. Oh, man. Thank you, bro. Um, 58 minutes, just under an hour. It was a great conversation. I can't I can't wait to uh, put this out, man. And. Yo, good luck with your raise. Good luck with, you know, us in tech. And, yo, man, big, keep continuing big things and living that Miami life. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, if I bump into Pierre, too, I'm definitely going to bring you up. Yeah, man. That's my guy. I'm actually, I, I, I asked him to get on this podcast. Uh, he totally agreed to it. We just haven't coordinated yet. So he's going to yeah. be next, you know. Because he definitely has a story. He's from the hood as well. So, yep. 
you know, and he's a, like I say, he's a killer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just go for it, man. He, you know, he's a winner. He's a winner. I like that. All right, bro. I'm going to let you go. Go enjoy that Miami weather. Great conversation. Right. And I appreciate, appreciate you sharing with me, man. I'm all it's all love, man. Let me know if there's anything else I can do. And um, I hope you have a good night. All right. Peace. All right. Peace out, man. Thank you all for tuning into Reverse Ambition Podcast. It is really a pleasure sharing these amazing journeys with you. It may take some time for you to find your purpose and realize your dreams or for your purpose and dreams to find you. When it happens, don't be afraid to pursue them. Be more afraid if you don't. Trust God, trust your journey, and most important, trust yourself and it will all work out. Until next time, I am Kelsey Cooper, The Social Broker. Thanks again for listening.